Welcome everyone, it is Tim from Video Game Fury and it is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. I am here as always to give you the latest and greatest in all the video game news, industry stuff going on, playthroughs, and all the continuing adventure of my game dev experience as a student. So a lot of good stuff going on today, some, some good news, a couple of playthroughs that I wanted to share that have been on my plate lately. Surprised as busy as I've been, I've been able to get some playthroughs, but a little bit of stuff that I thought would be interesting for you guys to know. So thanks for hanging in there with me. Hope you guys are having a great Wednesday so far. Let's get started with the show. So I'm sure a lot of you are continuing to follow this whole Fortnite vs. PUBG story that's been brewing out there for the last couple of weeks. PUBG had gone out to accuse Epic like, hey, you guys didn't, you mentioned this in the marketing of your new Battle Royale mode that's coming out, but never really consulted with us. Uh, originally, we were under the impression they were getting concerned that there were going to be other competitors uh, sucking up the Battle Royale genre, which everyone kind of cried foul and said, well, you can't really own a genre that's you know, there's a reason competition exists, and um, you can make a case for a lot of things when you say that, like, should we, you know, should uh, the guys at id go after everyone that's done Deathmatch when, because they started started it with Doom? But that's all moved anyway. It seemed like it was just a marketing thing that, you know, uh, the guys at Bluehole who made PUBG went after Epic to say, hey, look, we worked with you guys to get this. We're using the Unreal Engine. You didn't consult with us on this PR announcement on the new Battle Royale meld, and, you know, what the heck. And we haven't really heard anything about legal consequences about that since, but it's it's interesting enough now that now that the free Battle Royale mode is out for Fortnite, Epic had gone on to say uh, today, as according to GameIndustry.biz, that the Fortnite Battle Royale mode has reached 10 million players. That is freaking insane for a mode that's only been out for a little over a week. Obviously being free to play is probably one of the big reasons why it's amassed such a huge uh, user base. And just clearly with that, it's definitely put itself in direct competition with the PUBG guys on the old Battle Royale playground. Now they do have a little bit of a long way to go for to get behind uh, PUBG here in terms of like concurrent players and active players. Uh, they said in the article too that Fortnite really only peaked at a little over half a million concurrent players. I think PUBG did about 1.2 million, 5 million or something like that. I, I don't have the number on me, but they, you know, they, they had beaten the record for a while that Dota 2 had had. And obviously PUBG has been around for a lot longer uh, since uh, the early in the year. But it's it's still a strong case for a mode in a game that has peaked like this so far, and they got at least a total of 3.7 million active users just in one day alone across all platforms that use it. So this is this is interesting. It's it's kind of like a one big story after another between these two big franchises. Uh, early in the week, they uh, PUBG had mentioned uh, that they were making headlines that they had topped 15 million copies sold. Uh, hit and hit, okay. Here's the mark. Uh, as far as concurrent players, they peaked at nearly two million concurrent players on Steam earlier this week. Just it's just amazing to see this particular mode alone um, 
it is, is almost unstoppable to see in terms of its growth. And again, as we, we keep telling ourselves here, PUBG itself, still early access on Steam, still even hasn't has not made its way to the Xbox One yet, not for at least another month or so. So this thing is just going to keep ballooning the more it expands and the more it's worked on and iterated. But Fortnite is no is no chump in this, clearly by the numbers they've gotten so far for only being around, well, at least the Battle Royale Mount, I should say, uh, only being around for a couple of weeks. So they, they are definitely going to be very stiff competition in the long run as this user base continues to grow, as long as the Battle Royale mode continues to be an appeal to a whole bunch of audiences. And it's funny, too, just to think about it. I, mean, I was listening. One of my favorite podcasts is uh, DLC. Uh, they, one of the guests on there had kind of mentioned he was a developer of a game called Maze. And he, as they were talking about this whole PUBG versus Fortnite controversy, he just kind of stopped and said, hey, guys, we really got to take stock in where we are right now. We are in an age now where we don't really see new genres come to the rise and, and bring something fresh to the table. But we are seeing that with the Battle Royale genre, if you will. I don't know if you call it a genre or a subgenre. I mean, it basically, at the end of the day, it is like a third-person shooter. You know, it just got a lot more... It just got different rules to it and different ways to upgrade your gear and your weaponry. But I, I can see where he's getting at here. I mean, we were in an age of, like, games that have been around for over 30 years, uh, more than that. And to see this come up, it's pretty amazing, but... Just really great numbers to see from these guys. Uh, I think it's just only going to get better as time goes on. So I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this story for a little bit here. It's been kind of making the waves the last few days. It's the whole controversial statements being made through the latest uh, Wolfenstein 2, the new Colossus ad, uh, that kind of appeared over the uh, Machine Games Twitter accounts, which is a really short trailer, but it's basically... It looks. It's basically a bunch of Nazi soldiers marching across, I'm presuming, an American city. And as it's happening, there is a message that strikes across the screen saying, Not my America, but with the general message saying, Make America Nazi free again. Now clearly, if you look at that phrase, Make America Nazi free again, it's clearly a play on... The words of a certain president running the show now who made it his mantra across his uh, presidential campaign to say, make America great again. So there clearly was some intent on the guys, uh, Bethesda and uh, Machine Games, to you know make, make a call out to the current political climate we're in. And obviously lately with the, everything that's been kind of going on with this neo-Nazi movement, we already know about... Uh, the tragic events that happened in Charlottesville a couple months ago are related to that there. And the, the controversy that came out of it where people are kind of just in an age where we know what the Nazis were like 60, 70 years ago uh, when they were uh, doing their campaign to try to take over the world there and a lot of other bad things they did. It, it's it, The controversy that started to really come up is how there are still people actually defending this movement. Uh, from long ago. And a lot of people were you know, calling out even uh, Bethesda on this approach. Um, you know, why they choose to do this, why are they taking advantage of a political situation just because they have a, a game coming out soon uh, to do it. Um, 
you know, they pretty much gone. One of the guys, Pete Hines, who's their VP for uh, PR and marketing of Bethesda, kind of explains this approach, saying that they're certainly aware of current events in America and how they relate to some of the themes in Wolfenstein 2. Wolfenstein's been decidedly an anti-Nazi series since the first release more than 20 years ago, and we aren't going to shy away from what the game is about. We don't feel it's for reach for us to say Nazis are bad and not American, and we're not worried about being on the right side of history here. Now, he obviously has a point in this. Um, it's mere coincidence that this game is coming out around this time of the political climate as it is, especially with uh, Nazis. Uh, but Wolfenstein is like one of the big mainstays of first-person shooters that came out at least 20 years ago, where it's a man going to save the world from Nazi oppression. So it's not like this is anything new. And you know, I think if there's one thing to consider in the, in the games, especially in first-person and third-person shooters, the one, the one common thing that people, whenever they put an enemy into the game, if it's a human enemy, that's not going to create any kind of controversy in the mainstream media or press. It tends to be Nazis most of the time, because um, because obviously everyone has a good general majority opinion about, you know, the Nazis did bad things. And I don't think there's any kind of celebrating of this or anything here. I mean, they're not really trying to take advantage. In fact, I've even like watched some of the gameplay of Wolfenstein 2 to kind of prep for its release. It's a pretty dark game here. I mean, even the first one was pretty dark too, uh, the way it was going and how the Nazis win the war. But now, now you're in like your own country this time, trying to liberate it, and it's it's just very disturbing to see, you know, the world as it is converted in that way. You just have to kind of look at some of the videos online of the gameplay if you want to kind of get a glimpse of what I'm talking about. But it's just kind of funny that, you know, it's it's causing a stir in the game media and, and social media too. Um, and the fact that there actually are people defending uh, all this political stuff going on. I mean, obviously, you know, we, we want to try to steer, especially in gaming, we're trying to stay, steer away from the stuff as much as we can. But I think, you know, a lot of games lately have been actually doing a lot to present messages when it comes to political and social climates. I think a recent example was Mafia 3, which really put in an honest depiction of racism in the 60s. Uh, Far Cry 5 is a game that's coming out that's, uh, if you've seen the the demos and presentation, it's going to be about a bunch of uh, uh, extremist cults in the middle of America. So it's not like developers and publishers are shying away from this material. Uh, I would honestly say that the the more advanced the more advanced games are are going, that they seem to be uh, tackling these issues further and further. As I was saying, I think as we kind of look at over time, like the more powerful games become, especially you now as we get into kind of the realms of VR and AR and and, and mixed reality, I think it's only just going to get uh, empower developers to challenge these ideas more. I mean, we're I mean, we're video games are in the mainstream now and, and are able to convey these kind of messages no different than a movie or a TV show does. Um, you can even think of more recent examples like Bioshock talked a lot about uh, the idea of you know being cut away from politics or how much freedom is too much freedom when it comes to experimenting and pushing mankind. There was a lot of themes talked about in that game. If you want, there uh, I think there was even like a like a point-click game called 1979 Revolution. I think it was the Iranian Revolution that was a game. Uh, it's on my Steam account, and I've been meaning to play for it for a while. But it's got a lot of messages about that, too, about oppression and 
you know the the uh, freedom and civil rights. So games have not, especially lately, games have not shied from these particular topics, and it's just very interesting as you know Bethesda puts out this whole little trailer about no more Nazis or make America Nazi free again. That there actually is some idea of a controversy now. If you, again, you could say from a point of view that you know again they're taking advantage of the current political climates. I mean, who hasn't at this point, <laughs> as far as companies or, or, or whatnot that are look, they're looking where the eyeballs go. You can say what you want about um, the strategy behind it, but they're they're clearly going where the traffic and the eyeballs are going, and that just means more of the ability to both one get their message out, but also you know, I mean you know get a profit. I mean, take that as take that as what you will. There, I mean, I, 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 at the end of the day, I'm kind of conflicted in where. They were kind of going with this PR strategy, like I don't. But I, I think in general, if you know, if we're if we're worried about the fact that we're shooting Nazis in this game, uh, you know, clearly you didn't play the the first <laughs> version of this reboot in, in Wolfenstein from a couple of years ago, and you haven't really seen the last twenty thirty years of games lately, whether it's old Wolfenstein's or, or Call of Duty games or Medal of Honor. Uh, they've been, you know, putting putting those uh. Putting putting Nazis forefront as the enemy for a long while here, uh, and it's I don't think it's something that's going to end anytime soon. So I don't know. I mean, what's your, what's your guys' take on this? What do you think about uh, this whole strategy that Bethesda went into with Wolfenstein and uh, the no more Nazi, no more no more Nazis movements? Um, do you think it was right for them to take advantage of this? Do you think they had a different idea of strategy in mind when they decided to do this? I don't know. I'd like to get your take on that. So send a call in on Anchor here. Let me know what you think. Uh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts of this discussion as well. So I haven't touched the mobile game in a while. Um, I think my mobile time on planes have been kind of taken over by the Switch. Now that I have my dream of a mobile console to go with me, uh, especially when it comes to Zelda, of course. But I got wind of the uh, this this game here that uh, was making the scene, especially with the the TV show making its way back. Uh, they have a Stranger Things app game that I downloaded to the iPhone. Stranger Things, of course, if you're not in tune with pop culture, is a, a big Netflix hit from last year, kind of an homage to 80s pop culture, especially in kind of the horror slash monster genre from that time. I just did it so well. Uh, the kids in the show that are the stars of the, the stars of it are really relatable. Kind of got that Lost Boys vibe, if you, if you catch my drift. But it was just a really well done show, and the second uh, season is about to drop around Halloween. I think it's a couple of days before it, if I remember correctly. But they uh, they dropped the game onto the store, free to play. There's no ads or anything there, but it comes off as basically an old 8-bit kind of Zelda-esque role-playing uh, role-playing action game. I haven't gotten really far, maybe a couple hours in, and it's a really short game. Uh, you know, I start off as the, the sheriff getting a call of a, of a break-in at uh, one of the lab, science laboratories. 
I'm basically punching my way through. Uh, I learned that some of the other kids are broken in as well, and I have to go find them. And basically, you start building a party where you have to alternate between the characters and interact with switches, collect coins, collect uh, health as you're fighting different bad guys, ones that shoot or ones that beat you up. So I don't have much too much to say about it, but I kind of kind of love that they dropped this on us here without, you know, without really knowledge other than say, hey, guess what? We we know the season's coming out. Here's a game to play <laughs> to keep you occupied for the next couple of weeks. I think it's uh, it's a smart move. It's a fun game. It's not, and to, to kind of keep that theme of the '80s homage that the series is. It's nice to see they treated the game in the same respect, both from a visual sound design and, and playthrough perspective so i kind of got a kick out of that so if you haven't checked it out it's on ios and android it's totally free it's not one of those free-to-play things where you have to buy stuff or have to watch ten thousand ads uh, it's just here's the game and go play it uh definitely the best bang for your buck that you can get especially if you're hyped for the show coming up so go check that out if you can uh, i think it's definitely worth your while also wanted to give update on my destiny 2 playthrough I'm still slowly grinding my way through the campaign. It's been kind of really tough to, <laughs> to get to the grind. Just you know, Obviously, I, my last show I told you I was at New York Comic Con, so I didn't really have any weekend time at all to apply into that. And other than that, my, my time has just been like maybe 20-minute intervals at night once I've kind of done all my work and family things. Just pop it in real quick before I doze off and see what I can do. I feel like I'm close. Um, I just got onto a ship that I hijacked from the Cabal, the Red Legion, I should say, and I'm just landed on the Almighty itself, the, the the ship that's basically sucking up the sun dry and is going to try to destroy my solar system. So I don't know what happens next there. I I would imagine if that's, I mean, if that's the end game, then I'm pretty close to completing it. Still got a lot of side missions. I, I was doing a few of them early in the game to kind of build up my level and light level. But I'm kind of at this point, I'm like, you know what, let's just get this campaign done. I want to see what other side missions pop up next, because that's probably where I'm going to spend a lot of my time there to build up my lights and then hopefully start doing some strikes and some raids. Uh, Join the clan, too. Uh, my buddy hooked me up with a clan he thought was pretty good, so I'm trying to contribute and hopefully get some good prizes out of that. So overall, still pretty good. Shooting still tight, and uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Adrenaline pumping, especially when you got headphones on. Like the sound of the guns just sound really good in the headphones. I think Bungie. I mean, of course, I mean, the guys who did Halo. Are we surprised that they don't know how to make good guns <laughs> and, and make a good first-person shooter? So I, I'm digging that. Just hearing the the way the gun goes off and, and attacks the cabal. It's really nice to hear as I'm, as I'm going through these levels. And I'm excited to see where it goes next. The story is still kind of vanilla to me. It's kind of saying a lot to me, like how the first Vanilla Destiny was like. Like, I mean, I, it's it's a nice, it's not a bad story. It's, it's you know, the old, we got taken out, but we're ready to take back my city type of campaign. And you kind of get a little bit into the lore as you kind of start getting your powers back. So little, little side stories like that are nice to see, but uh, I hope they add a little more, uh, and we'll see once I get to the end, I hope there's a little more meat to the end game as I make my way through the campaign. So we'll see where it goes, but uh, I figure I'd give that update. It's still 
a great shooter gameplay wise mechanically to to get through very tight controls and, and everything and the sound I mentioned is awesome so once I get through to the very end there and uh, get some other side quests in there I will report back my findings I hope to get it done soon because there's a freaking ton of amount of games coming my way uh, especially October the end of October is gonna kill me between Wolfenstein and Assassin's Creed Origins so wish me luck guys to cap off the episode today, I wanted to get back to a topic that I kind of let go for a few days, which is the benefit of gaming segments. Last week, I touched on a couple of pretty cool scientific positive things that can come about from gaming, which was the hand-eye coordination and promoting the creative and strategic thinking of the brain that I feel was uh, very useful in everyday life, and I think games are a very good means to improve those things. And I wanted to touch on today real quick about the sense of community, the online community that we now have in the internet age that we're in, whether you're doing it on the Xbox, whether you're doing it on PlayStation, whether you're doing it on PC. You know, we're in the interconnected world right now where the world has gotten smaller. We're able to talk to people through headsets. We're able to stream through through Twitch and other streaming services. We've got integrations with social media like Facebook, like Twitter, like uh, uh, Snapchat and, and other streaming uh, social media services that allow us to share moments and clips of the games we're playing and you know our reactions to them. I mean it's a far it's a far bigger development than the old days of my childhood where you know, we had to plug the Nintendo or the Super Nintendo into the AV port of the TV, get a couple of buddies over, connect with wired controllers onto the console, and gather around a 13-inch CRT TV monitor to be able to experience the simple goodness of games like Super Mario Brothers or Legend of Zelda. Quite a quite a far big development in the world we've gone lately, and I think uh, this is a great thing here. And I think the community we have online really kind of helps um, improve those kind of social interactions. I, I think I think a, be, more people are realizing it over time than they used to, because there's always the sense that games were just a way to keep you isolated. You didn't go out. You, I've always heard the cliche of oh, the gamers are nothing but people that just sit in their mom's basements and don't get any sunlight all day. They just become o- o- ogres after a while. But if you look at the world we're in now, I mean, online chat, uh, all the streams to stream and, and showcase your game and talk to people through chat rooms. I mean, there's 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 far been far more ways now in this world to interact with human beings. To uh, you know, build not only build a sense of camaraderie when you, whether it's you're charging down the battlefield in a Call of Duty game or you know winning your team, having your team push the payload in Overwatch. You know you can't help but just be happy to have those kind of teammates with you that not only know how they're playing but they're respectful of their playing too. And now obviously that's the other side effect of community in the online space that's a problem. You know you look at uh, what the uh, lead developer on Overwatch put out a video recently saying that they were going to start moderating a lot of these people that are not making 
uh, making it a fun experience for the games, and they're gonna like really reflect it in their ratings. You know, you hate to see developers spend their time policing the fan base here when they could be going out making cool features, fixing critical bugs, and so on. Uh, but I, I don't blame them sometimes for you know wanting to create a good experience, and that experience uh, is in the in the way we interact in our online communities too. But I I I love seeing where we are in in this respect. Um, you know, I, I came late to the game doing stuff. I started adding more friends to PSN and Xbox more recently. More recently too, now that my niece has kind of been getting into games lately, and you know, obviously as a, as an uncle, I I want to make sure and moderate who she's with, who she's talking to, but she'll. She's got at least a good respect for the people she's talking with online and making sure they're concentrating on the goals of the game. And for the most part, people she's talked to uh, have been respectful as well. But we're obviously moderating all that, moderating all that. But I think it's 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 definitely helped her to be more kind of comfortable in building friendships and relationships, which I think at her age right now, she's in uh, middle school right now, she's getting to those points where she needs to develop uh, good speaking skills. And beyond that, it's just a, a cool, fun way to be together in a team, committed to a certain goal. Like I said, whether you're trying to win a payload match with Overwatch or trying to win a raid in Destiny, you, you kind of get that sense of camaraderie and you're gung-ho and you, 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 you realize you all certain tasks you have to do in order to achieve that goal. It really gives you kind of not only a good sense of ownership on your character and your game, but you know you're building a good sense of teamwork that I think really gets downplayed a lot in everyday life. That you know stuff like this can carry over into the real world, whether it's in your your jobs, your careers, or your families or your friendships. You know I think it's an underrated thing people don't talk about too much is that you know the online community really helps build you in the other areas of life where you have to go out into the real world and be able to do what you need to do to to live. So I think that's a cool thing that we have and uh you know streaming has a, has improved a lot of that with Twitch. You know it's again to the point now we have esports now uh where these teams can actually get together in real life tournaments and you know have that sense of sense of teamwork and camaraderie to try to win a, a cash pool prize. So it's it's only going to keep getting more involved here as you know as we enter the world of VR and AR. I'm I'm sure you know even beyond the gaming space, there's ways to kind of create like VR classrooms where you can interact with people in a more virtual space through the headsets. Uh, it's really amazing the the world, the landscape of gaming and gaming technology that we can foster this kind of sense of community as much as the world is gotten smaller as because of it, it's also helped us to really understand and manage our relationships just as well in the online space as we should be doing in the real world, too. So I think it's great. I think it's a great benefit of gaming. I'm not sure what you think. Uh, again, obviously, you know, there's going to be bad sides to everything here. We know we know plenty of stories, I'm sure, of, you know, the, the, the online space, that's the online networking and chatting and, and the way to... Talk to each other online is is not always good for you know every good apple you have and every good uh you know good job you do in a certain game you always uh gotta deal with a, a person like a like a PewDiePie where we all know the recent example he used where he used uh, a racist slur 
uh, over a frustration in the game of PUBG that he was playing. Uh, that became a big big deal for uh, for everybody there. Uh, looking to see some kind of moderation done on that part. So you got those bad apples, unfortunately, out there. But I don't think it takes away from the overall goal that you know we got the space because the the publishers, the developers, uh, all the console makers have come to realize that this space that we have, whether it's Xbox Live, whether it's PSN or Steam or, or whatnot, they know that the community is needed to not only you know promote a sense of uh, you know. A happiness and, and joy through just being able to play together with someone, but you know it's it's a way to get the feedback they need too, is to see if they hey this game is actually working for the purpose of delivering on that community. So good stuff. I I'm sh- I'm sure it's going to continue to evolve. Like I said earlier, the way it goes. What do you guys think? Do you think uh, the community aspect is a good benefit of gaming? Hit me up on the call on here on Anchor, uh, or, or or you can write me an email tim at complexfury.com. Or reach out to me on Facebook, too, at facebook.com slash comicbookfury79. I'd love to hear your feedback on this part and any other benefits of gaming that you can think of that would be good to talk about in the show. But I'm all done here. I am going to call it a night. Thanks to you guys for listening to this here. Uh, love everything you're doing. I love all the listeners coming on to the show and listening. They thank you so much for the support. We will be back in the next day or so for our next edition of Video Game Fury. But until next time, enjoy your games.